Shut up and sit down. everyone. Um, as I announced on Facebook, this is um, basically my 10th anniversary um, in fandom. Uh, it's a little iffy, but it was definitely in May because I did some fanfiction.net stuff before I moved to my own site, but I wasn't there very long. So I'm just going to consider this my fandom anniversary. And this is just the way it's going to be, May 20th. Um, 10 years. For those of you who are curious, Rough Trade will be eight years old in November. Um, or really, it'll be like October, because we did our sign-ups in October, and then we did our first challenge in November. So um, Rough Trade will be eight in November um, of this year as well. Um, <clears throat> it's really uh, bizarre, actually, um, to have spent 10 years um, doing um, doing this. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of crazy. And so I've been looking at um, various things and... Um, uh, I was going to call up my stats so I could tell you how busy my site is. Not for humble bragging, but just, just you know, just doing, you know, just say this is what um, my lifetime stats look like. Um, <laughs> time flies. Yeah, and it it, it, it is um, um, a very curious thing. My current published word count on my site is 2,664,554 words. Um I probably have a little over 700,000 words in works in progress for, for fandom. So um, it's just craziness. It's just, it's just super craziness. Um, I've had um, a little uh, 12.5 million views on my site. It could be a little higher than 750. That, that that's a, a a moderate estimate. Um, it, okay, maybe maybe that's a little low, but uh, you know. So I am going to be working on getting my works in progress out of the works in progress folder. <laughs> um. But yeah, there have been 12.5 million views to my site since um, it began. Um, <laughs> Dark said, more people have been to your site than live in New York City or London. <laughs> People visit my site practically every day. So there is that as well. Um, I wanted to uh, go over to my summaries and... Um, Talk about, talk about, um, I'm going to look at my um, all-time populars and talk about the individual stories and um, just, you know, talk about how I feel about them now, 10 years on. Um, some of the stuff is, you know, really old, and I look at it, oh, wow, I, I kind of wish I had done that differently. And so we're going we're to talk about that a little bit. Um, I read No Enemy Within um, about two weeks ago because I was reading um, – Number three, 
um, in that series that I've had in work in pro- you know in, in progress for four years um, because I keep well you know I mean those of you who listen to my podcast a lot already know that when I originally plotted Lantian Legacy um, there was no Matt Shepard and then when I realized how popular Matt was amongst my my readers I realized I could not really write Lantian Legacy having killed Matt in the womb, which is how I originally plotted it. Um, and originally Dr. Jackson stayed on earth and that didn't happen either. So I've had to do a lot of um, um, changes to what I'd already plotted. And um, I have something big coming for that, um, for that series. And so I'm, I'm having to, I don't want to fuck up my continuity. So there are some, um, some issues with my plotting that I'm going to have to be really, really careful with when it comes to um, uh, O'Neill specifically, um, some events at the SGC, and um, and to be perfectly frank, the emergence of um, Sebastian Shepard, because um, he does exist in Lantean Legacy. And so he's on Earth, and how John finds out about his son is going to be um, uh, it, it's going to be super important. And so I'm I'm on the fence about uh, several issues when it comes to Lantian Legacy, but you know I, I'm working it. So it, I'm sure it's a surprise to absolutely no one that Ties That Bind is the most popular um, series on my site, followed closely by Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I mean, they're, they're, they are separated by 19,000 views. Ties That Bind, Tangled Destinies, and then Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. They're separated by about 20,000 views per. So Ties at Bond is 328K, Tangled Destinies is 300K, and Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is 283K um, visitors. So um, it's, uh, it, you know, when Sentinels of Atlantis have 190 visitors, 190,000 visitors, <laughs> not 190, but 190,000. Um, so it's up there. It's up there. Uh, but I started my series with my, my site with um, uh, Dark Places, and that's a series that I would actually like to remove from my site, but I haven't because there are still people who read it, and so I'm like, mm, I'll, I'll leave it up there, but I don't want to. <laughs> <It's>, oh. <laughs> hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's... I, <sighs> <sighs> Birth of the Serpent King um, is the second most popular Harry Potter fic on my site, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, thank you, Azure. Uh, I I don't like dark places, and um, I um, I don't. Here's the thing about dark places. I would actually like to go back and rewrite it. But the problem is, is I got really, really, really frustrated with a reader, and I vowed on my magic to never work on it again on Live Journal. I flipped my shit and made a solemn vow. So I can't actually go back and fix the problems that I have with dark places. And so it's just stuck there in this limbo thing. And um, uh, because of my spite and stubbornness and their assholery, um, so yeah, there's that. <clears throat> but 
you know, in in my heart of hearts, I have to say that um, for me, what might have been um, re- remains one of my uh, one of my favorite pieces because I like the family dynamics and I like the um, the history and the you know how. It's it, it's really off the charts when it comes to plotting and character development and um and it's just it's a it it, it makes me happy. What might have been makes me happy. Just like um if I look at my you know more um recent works, I have to say um according Hermione Granger is one of my favorite stories on the site because it makes me happy. And what might have been makes me really happy. Um. Reading reading ties that bind after a after a break from it, I came back into it and was like, oh shit, I wrote that. What what? I'm I'm holding my head. I'm like, what? I don't even know what to do with this. Did I write this? I'm such a freak. <laughs> and so you know, there are all these 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 different things that you um um you look at, and it's. I don't know. It, um, ten years. Ten years is crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I explore a lot of uh, concepts and characterization and situations and problems in what might have been that um, that resonate through all my stories because I I like to explore the you know the dynamics of of human interaction and relationships and um, and, and love and family and it's just it's just something that really interests me and um I'm especially uh really fascinated with creating a a, a strong father son relationship between Patrick and John and Sirius and Harry. So it's um just something that I like to explore um as a writer and so in in fandom I, I have freedom to do that in in a way that I don't professionally. Um Fandom is, is, is very um it's a very um relaxed place to be as a writer. Uh I don't have to meet anybody's expectations but my own. I don't have to explain my motivations or um worry about uh, uh sales or you know uh, advertising. It's just it's 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 a very I have to say that um that in a lot of ways uh I've, I've said before that um, writers are born, not made. Um, and I, I think that in a lot of ways, about 10 years ago, um, the writer in me was dying. I um, I was very frustrated and stressed out and um, miserable um, in, in the contract process, and it, it wasn't what I wanted. Um, to be perfectly honest, it was never what I wanted. I, um, the thing is, is you acknowledge that you have a talent at something. Um, and then people around you start acknowledging that you have this talent and they, they come to expect you to do something with it. And they assign this, um, they assign this this value to something, to this talent. And if 
you don't meet the expectations of of the value they've assigned, then then it's a failure. Does that make sense? I um, and so people around me started assigning this this monetary value to my talent, and it didn't help that you have really uber wealthy authors like J.K. Rowling um, just wrecking in money hand over fist, and you know so people think that a lot of writers are like no. Most writers I know don't can't pay their bills with um, their book sales, I, you know. So, um, and it's uh, the writer you are inside when you're being pushed and prodded in these these various re- reactions. Yeah. Oh, you write. So when are you going to get published? How are you published? Where are you published? Who published you? You didn't self-publish, did you? Um, although I don't believe in self-publishing personally. That's just me. Um, and um, so uh, there, there's just a lot of pressure when when you are acknowledged to be talented at something. And I, I'm not – I don't want to come off like I'm arrogant or I have a lot of ego um, when it comes to my ability as a writer. Uh, I recognize talent in other people. I'm, I'm very quick to point it out. You know, you, you're on point with this. But I also recognize my own talent, and there is a lot of pressure when you're very talented at something to make something of it, and people outside of your, um, uh, outside of yourself, assign value to that talent, and then they, it's just it's it's a pretty vicious, ugly circle, and it can really damage you if you let it, and I almost let it, and one reason why I stepped back from professional writing is because I was on the verge of of assigning that financial value to myself the way others were and i and once you go down that road once you start assigning financial value to your work the first time you have a project that doesn't sell your self esteem goes into the basement i've seen it i've seen a really talented writer put out a book sell nothing she hasn't written since. It's been 15 years. Her book failed. She hasn't written a single word since because she had this, she assigned this financial value to her talent and didn't make the money. And now all of a sudden, she's no, she has no talent in her mind. It's gone. She destroyed the writer inside herself, not on purpose, but she did it. So I I struggled with that for a long time, and I had um, I, and you know and I've talked about this before, but I'm pretty much surrounded by other writers, and I I had to to um, set myself aside and and have a real long um, kind of conversation with myself about who I am and. And what it means to be a writer, and and what it means to be a published author, and there is a difference. Um, and I um, realized that I didn't honestly care so much if I was a published author, but I never wanted there to be a day in my whole life when I couldn't call myself a writer. 
told somebody I was a writer. This was about three months ago. I was um, at the cafe and I was meeting a couple. And there was some one of my friends had, had brought in some some people with her, and um, she hadn't told them about our group too much. And they asked me if I was a writer, and I said yes. And she, one of them asked me, "Oh, are you published?" I said yes, but that isn't important. Her face was priceless. I mean, it was absolutely priceless. What do you mean it's not It's not important. That isn't the important part. Kind of like doing a little celebration inside because I don't even know when I got to that point. I don't know when that happened. Uh, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't pinpoint when that, that switch happened in my head. Because even a year ago, if someone asked me if I was published, I'd be like, yeah, I am actually. And I would get out and I would go to my purse, get out my business card and hand them my business card, which has my website on it and <laughs> and my Twitter and <laughs> you can go to Amazon. But I didn't even reach for a card. And I was like, when did that happen? She still got a card because she asked for one later. But um, I didn't became and oh yeah, oh yeah, I did that. And I was like, well, and and you know, and I I relaxed a little because, um, and I I think that that uh, that road, um as a writer, a writer first, um, was pretty difficult. And um, in a lot of ways, uh, fandom is responsible for that. Writers write and authors sometimes get royalties. (laughs) Sometimes. Because, like I said, I don't know a single writer, and I know quite a few professional ones. I don't know a single one who makes a living as a writer. I, um, there is a certain kind of author, and I don't want to really um, harp on this issue too much, who, who, kind of um, sit down and regurgitate uh, the same idea over and over and over again. Yeah, I know quite a few retired authors who have a retirement pension. Um, Chuck Tingle is pretty funny, I have to say. Um, I don't, you know, I don't like to judge other writers. I, I don't, but I, I find writers who spend ten years writing the same novel over and over and over again far more frustrating than a writer who spends ten years writing the same book twenty times, <laughs> twenty different times <laughs> with different character names. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I um, I uh, find um, 
being a writer uh, a very satisfying experience. Um, I am judgy. That's no lie. I will judge you for how you park your car, where you put your cart after you finish shopping, how you drive your cart in the store, whether or not your kids have shoes on. (laughs) In public, I have a thing about that. I can't see somebody's bare feet, even if it's a kid, unless that kid can't walk. If your kid can't walk, he doesn't need shoes, okay? But if your kid's walking and no shoes on, I... In Walmart, I'm judging the fuck out of you. I just, I'm, I'm judging you. There's not enough room for my judgment and us in the store. Eat, chewing, eating anything with your mouth open is gonna get you judged. Absolutely. Um, ordering more than one drink when you're driving, I'm gonna judge you. And I'll probably tell you about yourself too because I'm what are, are you? I thought you were driving. Do you really need that second margarita? <laughs> Let's get you an Uber. Um, <laughs> I could probably drink a whole gallon of tea in a, in a restaurant. That that's no lie. I mean, I, I mean liquor. But you no, know, if, if you're yeah, you're gonna get talked about in your face if you're drinking in front of me and, and you expect to drive. <laughs> So, but yeah, but, you know, I, I just, when I look at the body of my work in, in fandom, um, I am, I am really proud of it. I, um, I'm, I'm really proud of, of my site and, um, um, I spent a lot of time working on my site and, and getting it right and making it, making it work, um, and, um, making it pretty and, and because, I, I it's just about presentation. I like to I like to have my shit, you know, on on, on point. And um it's just it's, it really makes me happy. My site in in fandom. Um and so celebrating 10 years is is kind of craziness. Kind of crazy. Um one of the um first fics that I published after um Dark Places was um, the, the beginning of what might have been, and then um, uh, Sentinels of Atlantis and The Awakening, and um, I uh, really the only thing on my site I, I would really like to get rid of is Dark Places, but like I said, people still read it, and I don't want to make people sad. Maybe one day I'll just make an ebook of it and stick it off in a corner somewhere. <laughs> Take down all the posts and here you just download this ebook. <laughs> um, but uh, it, um, it's I don't know. It's um, there are a lot. There's a lot of crap in fandom that you that you have to put up with to to be um, to be as um, prolific as I am and as. Um, and I get as much traffic as I do on my site. Uh, and there's a lot of shit you got to put up with. 
you know, and a lot of um, intrusive behaviors in, in fandom. And, you know, I could spend 10 days talking about reader entitlement, but we've already done many, many podcasts on that. So there's no point in rehashing it. What it boils down to is that you you have to make a decision early on in, in fandom as how you're going to allow um, readers to interact with you and how you're going to let them impact your process. And not everybody comes to that decision quickly. I did. Um because um, I made my own site, and I'm very territorial, and and that's where a lot of my policies and and rules about feedback came in. I'm very territorial, and this is my shit, and I decide what happens to my shit, and I decide what happens on my shit. I'm the decider, and so I was like, you can't talk shit to me on my own website. Delete, delete. <laughs> Because that's my shit, right? And once I developed that attitude, it just it just kind of took a life of its own, you know. And I'll, a lot of people in fandom think I'm arrogant or rude or, or whatever because I don't take reader feedback. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, most readers aren't qualified to give feedback, and there's no such thing as constructive criticism. Um, criticism is in itself non-productive. It's not productive to criticize others. Um, and if your only position is one of criticism, then I have no time to have a conversation with you. That's just that's just the way I am. Um, and so, you know, and, and having that kind of attitude and fandom um, didn't win me a lot of favors, I have to say. Uh, and um, I don't care. can't even pretend to care um (laughs) i tried once to pretend to care it didn't it didn't last long um because you know um these bitches don't pay my bills why do they think they get a say and you know we, we live in a world where people think they're entitled to have opinions about people's personal stuff and i'm like really no you don't get to tell me who to sleep with you don't get to tell me who what no no Anyway, and you don't get to tell me what to write, and you don't get to tell me that um, ties that bind is too political or it promotes domestic violence, because it doesn't do any of those things, and it's not too political. It's barely political. There are some political ideologies in the background, but that's true of the human experience. You know, so fuck that shit. Um, Fuck all that shit. And so, you know, there's like this... this, uh, decade kind of lumbering behind me now and I'm like yeah okay what you gonna do a lot of writers in fandom do get um, mistreated and they leave and they they take all their toys home and it's like readers think that uh, not all readers but there is a certain section of readers in fandom who seem to think that writers are disposable. Oh, well, if you leave, we'll get another one. Someone will take your place. It'll be fine. You can't see me right now, but I'm double birding. In reality, in meat space, both my fingers are high in the air right now. So, because they think writers are disposable, they feel like they can mistreat them and insult them and um, threaten them 
to, to get what they want and try to manipulate them like that asshole on fanfiction.net who tried to um, get the ending of a story for her so-called child who was dying of cancer. Or like that lady who messaged me about a story that I have on wild hair and told me she hoped that I finished it before she died because she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. So Dark says in the chat room that some readers think they've won if an author leaves thanks to their abuse. Um, That kind of person is only happy when they're making somebody else miserable. And that's a garbage person. And we don't have time for garbage people. So when you encounter someone like that, um, tell them to suck my dick. And I hope they choke on it. I... I think that when a writer is run out of fandom um, for one reason or another, that um, fandom as a whole loses something. Uh, Fandom is um, a a mixture of personalities and people and stories and ideas and and, um, creativity and uh, energy. And there's something really spectacular about a group of people who are very passionate about the same thing coming together and enjoying that thing together and to have somebody come along and try to ruin it just pure assholery i mean it's it it, it is beyond um it's that kind of behavior that that mob mentality that some that a, a a group of readers can get and attack a writer for something that they don't agree with. Um, gatekeeping. Yes. It's, 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 it's disgusting, but it's also not unexpected. Crowd into a frenzy. So easy to, to create a mob. Follow the leader. They talk about the one bad apple, say, is that one bad apple left in the barrel will corrupt the whole barrel. So there are sections of fandom like that. And I think that in order to to be yourself and to um, to exist in fandom um, the way I have for 10 years... You, it's really weird to say it. It 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 just it takes um, a very hardy personality, but it also takes. Uh, here's the thing: those people who 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 invest themselves in in um, abusing an author or um, or who um, create a mob to to upset them and criticize them, like those assholes on. Um, AO3 who got pissed off because an author came back and wrote a sequel to her own work because somebody else had taken her work, work and wrote a sequel that they liked better. So they abused the original author. You are some pitiful, ignorant motherfuckers. 
pitiful. I pity you to be that ignorant and malicious. How does it feel to be that fucking stupid? Do you need to remind yourself to breathe? (laughs) I just, you know, that's so dumb. It's so dumb. Oh, and so, yeah, there's this, there's this, I think it helps to be able to judge those people and say, you know what, you're a dumbass. I can't take anything you say seriously. You can't even spell. Fuck you. So you look at somebody online abusing somebody else and you're thinking, damn, you are pathetic. You are just absolutely pathetic. And then it becomes difficult to take somebody that pathetic seriously. <laughs> it's like, yeah, look at you. Look at your dumbass. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're one warning label missing from, away from a Darwin Award. <laughs> you're the reason that they put that label on the hair dryer telling you not to blow dry your hair while you're in the shower. And then it becomes really difficult to take them seriously, to take their criticism seriously, to, to acknowledge, like, oh, fuck this, delete you. Go ahead. Bye. Bye, Bye Felicia. I just, you know. <laughs> And so I think that having that ability to, to say, okay, you know what? I can't take this, this jackass seriously because they're dumb. And then it becomes really easy to ignore this kind of behavior. But a lot of people don't have um, the ability to, to ignore that crap. Um, and it, it comes back to bite them. And um, I'm not criticizing them for leaving. I think that a lot of times in those situations, the best thing they can do for themselves, the healthiest choice they can make for their own mental welfare is to bug out, change their name, delete their stuff, and and move on. Because you shouldn't invest yourself and do anything, really, that is destroying you. Don't set yourself on fire for anybody or anything. Life is life is hard enough, really, to 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 exist. It, it is it is difficult in this world with all the crap going on around us and paying almost three bucks a gallon of gas. Anyways, I'm just I, I filled up my tank today. It was a little hurtful. Um, uh, so why would they invest their free time into a situation where they're being abused and mistreated by strangers? I don't blame them at all for leaving. Like, you know what? You don't need anybody to help you be miserable. You can be miserable literally by yourself. You don't need to seek out others to do that for you.
you know, I don't, I don't blame them for leaving because, um, you know, fandom is, is, is a collective of volunteers, people voluntarily spending their time together and creating and discussing and, and, and going to conventions. None of it is required. And why would you volunteer to spend your time and your energy in a place where you are abused and mistreated? I wouldn't. And if I couldn't tolerate the shit that comes my way, I wouldn't be here. And that's why I'm very protective of the group on um, on Facebook, the, the, the Minion Headquarters group, and, and why it's private and why membership is restricted. And why I also moderate new posts, because I feel like um, me and the mod team, um, uh, keeping our our space nice and comfortable and supportive is um, really important to me. And so um, I keep an eye out. Everybody, everybody can have a bad day. Um, so I put a little moderation buffer in there so that your bad day, if you're going to be a shitty person, isn't going to get on the rest of us. Um you make a mistake posting something that you shouldn't post to the rules, this keeps you from getting in trouble. Because somebody asked me why the group was moderated, and and that's why. Because I have rules, and I, um, uh, me and headquarters on Facebook is a happy place, and it's a supportive place, and it's a place where um, we can talk about things that worry us and bother us and concern us, but it's not a place for politics or religion. And... Um, it's not a place to mistreat others or to bash writers, bash stories. It's just a place to be yourself and to be the best of yourself. I hope so. I, I, so I hope that makes sense. Um, I still get shitty emails. I just don't share them anymore. I used to share a lot of journal. I would share them and like talk shit about the person who sent it to me. But I stopped doing that because um, I got bored. Um, and actually, one of the people who regularly sends me shitty emails pointed out that his emails weren't being featured on my live journal anymore. And um, I was like, because you're boring. I'm bored with this whole thing. And then I just made a circular file in my junk mail and anybody who talks shit to me in my email gets added to this filter and I don't even read them. I go in once a month and delete them. I deleted 47 yesterday. Didn't open a single one. Not gonna. Because, um, and that's a mental health decision. I don't care if they're apologizing to me every day. It's too late. I'm done. Once you get on the filter list, you, you never get off. Yeah, I don't really believe in drunk and just dump my husband posts either. So no, those won't those won't be allowed on the on the group either. But um, I um, existing in fandom as I do, um, and having that ridiculous status that I do, um, comes with um, kind of a target. Um, if I post like I recently posted a um a story, it's NCIS uh uh. 
Hawaii Five-0 crossover. It's the mothership. It's called The Subtle Body. And I got two emails from Stargate fans wanting to know when I was going to post my next Stargate project. Blah, 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 blah. Fine. I just deleted both of them because I'm not, I'm not going to justify my decisions as a writer to, to readers. I'm, I'm not going to justify um, what I work on. To read, I'm like, where do you get off? Where does where does this attitude come from that you have that you think you have the right to dictate to a stranger what they do with their spare time, with their hobbies? And I'm like, come on, come on. Now here's the thing: if Mighty Holder said, "Hey, hey, Kira, would you write such such and such?" I'd probably do it. I might talk shit to her about it. But I'd probably do it because she's my best friend. And so she's allowed to ask me to do shit like that. Nobody else is. I'm just saying. This is not an invitation for you to ask me to do some weird shit, lady holder. (laughs) Just saying. I'm just saying. But that's the thing, you know, that I've talked about it before. That sometimes people um, <coughs> who read my thought a lot, who um, interact with me on Facebook, who interact with me in the chat room or whatever, or send me regular emails and I've answered emails, get this um, this false sense of intimacy um, going with me. Like, like they think they can um, boss me around. And I'm like, no. My husband pays all my bills and he don't even boss me around. I'm just saying. There's no bossing. There's no bossing. And if the man who feeds folks and finances me doesn't get to boss me around, I don't know why anybody else thinks that they could. I just, you know, really? Really? No. No, dog. No, dog. That's not how that's going to work. <laughs> Lady Holder is actually on the phone. I'm on. Hello? Hello, what are you doing? Are you on with that woman? Yes, I'm on with that woman. God damn it, you were on with that woman yesterday. What <laughs> possibly do you have to talk about today? Oh, we're having a podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. He called me that. Now <laughs> I have it recorded. It's, poss- it's it's recorded forever and ever and ever for posterity, and people will be downloading it, and you will be famous forever. Oh, famous! <laughs> We're definitely not meeting her because now I'm a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the other one. Sorry. Yeah. You did that on purpose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that woman. something about uh, uh, that was a derivative of my stuff in 2007 or 8. So you posted, uh, you responded to um, the first episode of of uh, Fitness of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was 
August 2008. Mm-hmm. But you were doing stuff before then because Sentinels of Atlantis was planned out for quite a ways beforehand, so I'm pretty sure you started working on that knowing you probably somewhere in July. Yeah, probably, yeah. No, no, yeah. it was earlier this because I had um, uh, I had actually been writing for a long time before I posted anything in fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, um, maybe, but I don't know when you did the beta for uh, the Awakening. Um, that's a good question. I really don't know. <laughs> oh, Let's see. Drive. Let's see. The oldest stuff I have in here. Okay, I got your beta for Lady for um uh three three two thousand nine. And I got the beta right. okay. other person in two twenty three two thousand nine. Then I also got one three five two thousand nine. And I released um well I made the ebook the first ebook um four one two thousand nine. So huh. But if I look at my my first draft, let me see. <clears throat> let me see what the stats on my first draft are. Um, no, that's not my first draft. I don't seem to have my first draft. Huh. That's kind of the is, it, is it in the shared drive? Mm-mm. Okay, now here's my first draft. I started the awakening twelve eleven two thousand eight. I finished it two twenty three twenty um two thousand nine. Okay. My my total editing time was twenty thousand minutes on the original draft. Pretty amazing. Yeah, my. No, my first person story was um, a story in, in in Dark Places in the Soul. Um, my first Slash story posted was um, We've Taken Different Roads. It was the first um, story installment in what might have been. Uh, okay, so this is one of my internal posts. Um, you're, 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 you're breaking up. Because, oh, okay, I'm sorry, up. hang on. 
Sorry about that. Apparently, my headset does not like being separated from the phone. (laughs) Ten bloody feet, and it makes all the difference in the world. Okay, so... Might have been... I have got stuff saved in my folders from 2010... And I'm just going back through and looking at stuff. <laughs> Gosh. Rantium Legacy. Um, That's probably a first draft. That probably is. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Most of the stuff I've got on here that I kept because there was at one point I was deleting mm-hmm. um, because this wasn't my stuff. And um, then I had that whole hard drive failure and I lost a whole bunch of Sentinels of Atlantis and she oh started God. keeping my shit. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, there, there. We we shared that. That's also when I uh, moved to an online drive because mm-hmm. um, I don't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Google has saved me many a time. You guys, yes. What the hell is this? You know, I really should remember to go through this more often. <laughs> What would you say? Um, hmm. What would you say that fandom has changed for you? Um, I no longer tell stories in my head because I, I used to do that to me for myself. You know, um, I don't do well standing in line doing nothing. Okay, um, I have asked people before, "What do you think of when you stand in line?" and I get nothing, which I don't get. Um, going over grocery lists or thinking about what I'm supposed to do next or just in general stuff that makes no sense. And I used to tell myself stories. And instead of do. them living, yeah, I still do too. But instead of them living predominantly in my head, now they get written down, okay? Um, I try and make sure that the story idea that might come to me as I'm half awake, half asleep, sticks around long enough that I can at least get the idea down, you know? Um, My first posted story... Uh, Jeep actually, oh God, is um, slow side of indifference. Cat. On and your side or on Racebait? It was, it was posted on Racebait. Because the and first thing I ever read on, about, that I read from you was The Unlikely and The Unwilling, which really shaped mm-hmm. me. Um, as it came to my Sentinel crossover um, mm-hmm. 
OTP. I was like, oh, there we go. Because I had been reading these ones with Rodney as a Sentinel, and it just wasn't gelling for me. I mean, I enjoyed the works, but I wasn't getting it. It, it, it just wasn't inspiring me. And then I read The Unlikely and, yeah. and Willing, and I went, yes, there we go. That's what I want. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, made, it made so much more sense to me for, for that because um, – Rodney, for all the fact that he is a strong man and he is brave, no matter how much he wants to say that he's not. I'm sorry, Dark. That's funny as hell. Um, um, I read on my phone. I I have to do something. I have to do something. I've I've got um I've got boards with friends. I've got um the hell is that thing called? I've got Yahtzee, but I, for the most part what I will um what I'll do is I'll pull out my phone and start reading. Okay? And to me that is that's the way I keep myself, you know, for the most part entertained. Um I posted Slow Slide of Indifference, the first one that went up on my site in January uh, January 25th, 2010. And I think that's where you had basically dared me to get my site in gear and put it together. <laughs> well, I was mad at race bait. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jilly. <laughs> I'm going to tell Jilly a story. I'm going to tell Julia's story, and it, it, it has relevance. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I was in college, I lived with a girl from Ohio. This is important because um, mm-hmm. we did not go to school in Ohio. We went to school um, in a state that it got quite warm, and she kept the air condition in our room on 60, and she would freeze my little southern ass off. And so for Christmas, our second year together, she got me an electric blanket. So I could be comfortable and she could be comfortable. <laughs> it worked out great. Right? So I'm sick one day and I'm sitting under my electric blanket and um I mean I was sick enough I didn't go to class and my boyfriend um comes over and he brings me some, some food. It was very nice of him. Sorry. Very loud, very damn loud. It. God <laughs> damn it. So he brings me some food, and he sits down on the edge of my bed, and he's talking to me, and um, he's sitting there for about five minutes, and then all of a sudden he bursts out, and he goes, for fuck's sake, where's my ass hot? <laughs> and he was sitting on my electric blanket. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> But I was just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you don't stop typing. <laughs> I was even using a padded thing. God damn it. You have the longest, you have, you, you have the loudest keyboard in America. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Anyways, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Julie just mutes my ass whenever she wants to. She's so. This is true. 
what the other the other one of the other things that um that fandom brought is self confidence. Okay, because I'm not going to lie, there it's it's a lot easier to say that my hobby is writing because I can point to things and say, look, I'm I'm published. I'm published both in in all the areas I want to be. So. Yeah, that's that's important to me. God. I'm not sure I could hold it for four hours. Maybe I could have when I was younger, but these days, no. <laughs> I have, like, two states. I don't have to pee and going to pee. <laughs> There's just no in-between. <laughs> I <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen those things. Now I will admit, um, most because I've been to Japan, most of the toilets I've seen in Japan were the trench things, and I moved somewhere else because there's no way. I just had a snack of it. I um I I have some sugar free cookies on my desk. I've got four. I'm I'm they're, they're small though. I'm I'm saving them. I don't know what I'm saving them for. <laughs> I hope it's not marriage. Um. <laughs> Jesus. Um. But um, you know, you know, for me, fandom um kind of became a sanctuary because at the po- at the point that I came into fandom I was experiencing a lot of like I said professional stress but also some personal stress and I don't want to particularly go into that. It's it's not husband related. My my husband is, is rarely a source of stress. Yeah. But I had a very toxic person in my life and um um I didn't recognize them as toxic and um so Yeah I Mine was, I got double dog dared, <laughs> literally, and with without any remorse to the subject, it was, you need to go, I mean, we're, we're having a great time here, you know, talking, because I was, I was on live journal, and we were ba- um, bashing ideas back and forth, and um, it ended up being... Um, you're good at this. You need to go look and do do this on your own. Find find something you want to do. And I went okay. And then I went and found what I wanted to do, and I did it. And lo and behold, I've got a shit ton of work up, and it's really funny. And I've got all it this is stuff. funny. It is, it, is, it is weird. There's this. There's just. There's just. There's a lot of gratification in fandom that you don't get um, professionally, mm-hmm. and um, and it was um, it's nice, fun. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's very nice. It's a um. It's it's the feeling of accomplishment because I've done 
craft work before. Holy Hannah. So apparently my 10 years has passed too. I'm coming up on 10 and a half. Fuck me. Um, What's your date? I, uh, January 5th, 2008 at 10.07 p.m. Yeah, January 5th. That's when I put up the first bit of slow slide of indifference. On your site or on right site? Uh, no, actually, I think that was on my journal. My journal. Okay. Yeah. Which I can't check January anymore fifth. because I killed it. January yep. 5th. It. Yeah, you will, you will be 10 half years soon. Yeah. Pretty fucking amazing. And. I don't want a pause button. Dark ass, why does time have to advance? Where's the pause button? Here's the thing about living in the moment. Why is there um, a pause button in the toilet? Okay. Is that I need to grow and change and, and move forward. And so sitting sitting and, and not moving forward um, would be very disconcerting to me creatively. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes, that right. thing. <laughs> it didn't come out right. Oh, yeah. Um, creative. Fuck it. Okay. Creatively. <laughs> Create. Thank you. Creatively. It would be, um, I don't want to stagnate. Um, so um, time marches on, and I, I think it's important to, to embrace that that process and to, to move forward and, and have your new experiences and grow and change um, and never stop learning. Uh, as, as a writer, I hope that with each project, I get a little better um, and I bring something unique to the table. Even Excuse me. Somebody just got up on a counter and they shouldn't have. Um. What else can I say? <laughs> yeah, growing and learning and and expanding your horizons, which you do. But yeah, I just I want my even if I'm exploring the same things because I do I I do have habits and every writer has them. I I want um my um my work to grow. To I want to offer something new each time I come out of the gate. Well, um, so here's and that, the thing: you like romance. Process. I do. Yeah. And so, yes, you may stick with the overall theme of romance. Okay. Because you do. Um, for all the fact that um, what might have been has some seriously fucked up bits in it and ties that bind is oh, doggy, um sensual. <laughs> you can say explicit. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I think I've seen pornos with less explicitness some days. But um, there's some great sex and ties to buy. I'm just saying. <laughs> there is. There really is. But what I was going to say is um, you, they're all romances. And it's it's not just the 
um, very delicate romance that there is for courting Hermione Granger, okay? Because that is. That is a very, very light touch to the to the romance. There's, you know things are happening, but it's firmly off stage. And I'm fine with that. That was, that was great. That was actually something that fit. And I'm with you that, that the sex, for all the fact it probably was lovely, wasn't, wasn't the, I'm not going to, well, the hell, it wasn't the thrust of the, the story. <laughs> but what I will say is that recently, now I pulled the sex out because it seemed awkward and weird, but recently I read that mm-hmm. sex scene and there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, okay. why do I think that was awkward and weird? And I think it's because it really just didn't fit the story. But the sex itself was no. fine. I'm like, <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say that that wasn't fine. Oh, this is awkward and terrible. I have to take this out. But I saved it, and I read it yesterday, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this is nothing wrong with this. Why was I so upset before? But it's perspective. It just didn't fit in the story. Yeah. Um, So. But I think Corey and my Granger was a departure for me. It was. As as far as um, the the relationship goes, um, the – the delicacy and the um, the offstage intimacy, but but more so because it was uh, a study of their characters in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I did too. Um, and then I've read books where you know everything happens offstage, and that's utterly fine, okay? Um, and when it's done right, you don't feel the lack. And I didn't feel the lack with that, okay? There there was no lack. So it was a very um, lovely, very complete book, Um and I, it was it was romance. It was it was um, it was shump. Um, <laughs> do you it was do all you the think uh, do you consider yourself a romance writer? Kind of, not really. I, I'm fine with the erotica <laughs> title. Well, I don't. It doesn't feel like romance for me. Now, does it does it mean that I'm not romantic at times on these? Yeah, I I got it. Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie that it's, it's there, but it's not the number one thing I think of when I when I look at these. Thank you, Dart. Dart's right. That was that was the purpose because when I wrote mm-hmm. um, Harry in um, in courting Hermione Granger, he had been to war, mm-hmm. but he. He grew up with Sirius, who who married and had um, other children, and so he had siblings. And his um, his stepmother um, was a badass herself. She was an she was she was head magical cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or um, she, or or we're not having that discussion. Or I, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> whatever. We'll figure it out one of these years. <laughs> so she he he did have a very strong family and um it 
he wasn't in Harry Potter. Soulmate bond. Harry is was a, essentially raised by men. Um, and um, he was prepared for uh for, for war. Um, mm-hmm. and he was inducted into a conclave. And so he's a very different person than the Harry that you encounter in Harry, um, according to Hermione Granger. And, and that was the point. He grew up with a woman's influence, um, and he's, he's, he loves his mother very much. Um, he has a great deal of respect for his, his birth mother. And he, I'm not saying he doesn't respect Lily in Harry Potter and Sunspot. It's just a mm-hmm. different, it's a different, um, circumstance because he had this woman this very strong magical woman in his life growing up where he could see um and it's just it's just different he's a he, I mean, he's a different person and when he went into um the war in uh courting hermione granger which takes place entirely off screen um mm-hmm. it was it, it was from a different perspective he he had a lot more at stake and in a lot of ways, that Harry and Harry Potter and the soulmate bond is, and I said it before in um, in, in the narrative, um, Sirius says it to the, the men in his conclave, that um, that Harry is, uh, what's the term I used? I don't remember. I get what I, right off the top of my head. Um, it's after the, the, the Gryffindor circle and uh, Sirius is talking about um, it's it's not innocence. But what? Oh God! What is it? It's gonna drive me nuts until I figure it out. Yeah, um, um, Gryffindor Circle. You said yes, yes. Uh, of course, I happen to be on it because it was on one of my list of things to read. Uh, so drop me nuts. But the Harry and Cordon Granger, he's he's not um vulnerable. He's he's not um uh, he was shaped by war. Um but mm-hmm. but he also shaped the war. Um he wasn't in a lot of ways, that Harry and Hermione Granger, and according to Hermione Granger, is was on the offensive from from the moment mm-hmm. Voldemort was resurrected. Where a lot of times I put Harry in a defensive position that he's constantly defending mm-hmm. d- defending himself. Um, but in according to Hermione Granger, he went to war. He had family. He had siblings. Um, Voldemort tried to kill his mother again, which was a hell to the fuck no. And so it's just a very different, um, a very different Harry. And um, so I'm, I'm glad that you saw that and that you, and that you noticed mm-hmm. um, what I was doing there. I just, um, so yeah, that was, thank you. <laughs> Cause a lot of times I wonder if um, sometimes my underneath craft is kind of, um, Overlooked, and that that's weird to say that I don't mean it to be i I'm not trying to be insulting um, um i um, there's a okay the scene right after Harry claims Gryffindor's circle um and he sees everything 
A half hour later, Sirius Black entered the large meeting room in the basement of the townhouse and found the Glane Nadir waiting for him. He said nothing at first, staring po- uh, pointedly at Castius until the man flushed with shame and averted his gaze. He cleared his throat. I've never regretted allowing Harry to take his place as high warlock of this conclave until today. And it goes on. Um, he's my child, Sirius snapped. I'd have, I'd have you all bloody well remember that. He's magical, his ma- magical and financial security aside, Harry is still a very young man. What he witnessed in that ritual is beyond the bloody pale. Yeah. Um, this Harry... Go down. Insult- Go down. There's more. Um, There's more. Um, let's see. Um, it's, are you talking about when, um, when he's talking about Voldemort? No, what Sirius says something, um, in that scene that, 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 that's what I wanted to, that's Gryffindor's Uh, point. Let's see. This is Gryffindor's circle. Okay. Gryffindor's claim. Gryffindor's circle, Gryffindor's claim. Of course, many moons down further. Um, where is it? Tenderness. He says, he's just so damn young, and despite all that he's been through, there is a tenderness in him that I don't want destroyed. Do you understand that? Right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, the Harry and Harry Potter and the soulmate bond, he, um, he's very young and, um, he believes in love and he's in love with the idea of being in love. Uh, as, as much, as much as he loves Hermione and he does, it's, it's not, um, he also is in love with the idea of being in love with her. I mean, he's just, mm-hmm. it's, 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 he's a very romantic, very romantic young man. Um, but he's very young and, the adult version of Harry Potter in according to Hermione Granger is just, he's a different animal. He's also, frankly, he's older. He's 10 years older. He is older. 10, 11 years older than this kid. Okay. Yeah. And he's, he fought um, a different war. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised by, he had a, he had a woman's influence from a very young age. Um, mm-hmm. And he was shaped uh, shaped by that, and I think it's that's important when you're changing a character's uh, background that you account for those changes, um, and in their character. Because this is a Harry Potter that was never outside of Sirius Black's custody. Right. Sirius never went to Azkaban. Um. So it's just it's, it's it's a very different um situation and so when you drastically change your character's situation um in in a fandom situation you need to you need to to account for that. So um I'm I'm glad that you saw that and um thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. One of the um one of the things I was looking at, I didn't, 
I actually have to go back and reread some of my stuff to see where I fit this in. Um, because, you know, there's, there's stuff in, in my in my old files I haven't looked at in ages. You know, I, I, I finished the story. I put it away. I didn't, I don't think about it. I read about stuff all the time yeah. because I am most entertained of Entertained by my own work. Is that arrogant? Probably. I don't care. <laughs> I write fan fiction well, to entertain myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to write a story about, and I've written several stories where Harry is a father. Um, and he, like, there's, there's, there's blank space um, where he brings a, a, a child home. And he adopts Teddy, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that. And then there's Courtney Hermione Granger, where they adopt a child together, and I really, I really enjoy that. I would like to have one where Hermione comes back to Britain with a child, and Harry um, kind of says, "Okay, I, I want all that." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'd like to explore that because I think a lot of times. Um, that uh, it, it would just be interesting to to tell myself that kind of story. So, um, I don't see why not. I, I mean, I I love the idea of 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 her bringing a little girl back to Britain and her just being just as bossy as 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 Hermione was as a little girl and um, mm-hmm. Harry being like, what? <laughs> mhm. Yep. Come to my house. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, with hair, with curly hair, and and uh-huh. a book bigger than she is, and just <laughs> I think it'd be great and freckles. Yeah, I'll just it'd, I be, ama- it'd, it'd be amazing be what... to see him process that because uh, there is his oldest friend, and um, there's this kid, and he's like, I didn't even know I wanted all that, <laughs> but I want all that. I'm skimming back through one of mine. Judging the, his one of my EADs. Oh yeah, that would go over well. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be cute if she's like four or five years old and he introduces himself and she says, "You know that line that Hermione says on the train about reading about him in the book." Oh, I read all about you. <laughs> Mommy tells me all about you. Mommy tells book. me that all about hilarious. you. I read all about you in such and such book. <laughs> uh huh. It would be like Harry would be like, man, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Come move into my house. <laughs> uh huh. So, but yeah, I th- I just think it would be um it would be a lot of fun to um to uh to have Hermione be a mom and for her to bring this kid back and um everybody having to adjust to um to this little girl and um and I think Ron would have to be an asshole because I I 
glory in making Ron Weasley an asshole. It's like my favorite thing to do. <clears throat> oh, you know, she could, she, it, it's pretty much canon that she sends her parents to Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she goes to Australia and her parents are shits, but while she's there, um, because of who she is, um, there's a little girl whose magic resonates with her and she adopts her. And Ron, when she comes back, is all shirty with her that, you know, why did you adopt this other person's child? Why, you know, I don't want her. And, okay, fuck off and die, you know, is, is her <laughs> response. I don't know. I like the idea of, of her having a relationship and, and maybe having an ex-husband. And, um, because it isn't well, something that, that I've explored with her. Um, well, she could still and, go to Australia. Um, she could still have a. She could still have an ex, yeah. or even be a widower, a widow. You know, there's not. I mean, there's nothing that says that her husband didn't walk up to a kangaroo and go, "Dude, the fuck," and get kicked. You know, <laughs> some people are bound. Hermione wouldn't marry an idiot. <laughs> but I, it doesn't I do mean that the idea of her having yeah. an ex-husband and. Her having this life outside of um, Harry and Ron and coming back to Britain um, for whatever reason. Um, oh, no. I, I, I just, I had a really no. hard time getting aboard that train where she married Ron. Um, I just think she got potioned because that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that the bride, which is the age, would end up married to Ron Weasley. It makes zero sense. Even J.K. Rowling admits, admitted eventually that it made no sense. <laughs> That's right. There's no epilogue. <laughs> there is no epilogue in my book. <laughs> Solve that problem. But uh, yeah, so my 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 journey in fandom has has largely been re- rewarding and fun and crazy and um, I'm on board for another ten years. What do you guys think? Ten more years? I got ten more years in me. I'm not planning on stopping this until I get planted. So <laughs> given that given that my grandmother made it to 103. And only started losing her faculties at somewhere around the century mark, really. I got another 50 something years. <laughs> Despite the dicks. Ooh. You mean because of the dicks? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll go get planted with Claudia and John. That's all for, that's all for the great. I actually I wouldn't mind being a great. I, I would, especially if no one cut me down. I mean, I would, I would be, you know, they would have to put a fence around me. I, I, I have standards. <laughs> well, there's, there's, um, 
things where you can get yourself uh, cremated and instead of having the traditional urn, which, you know, somebody has to dust, you get put into a biodegradable pod with a tree um, seed on top and you get planted and you grow into a tree. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I like that idea. I like the the idea only problem is they don't have the whomping willow. Look, if an apocalypse happens, we already have a we have a plan and a team in place. We've already picked out some uh-huh. locations. Everyone's got their list of yep. supplies they have to get. <laughs> Scout uh-huh. out your local Costco, and then we'll meet. <laughs> yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no No. Just no. I don't know how you learn these things. <laughs> but stop sharing them with me. <laughs> it's not information that I needed. But you can turn your loved one into a diamond, which I'm on board with. Because diamonds are forever. <clears throat> and that just brought up Bond. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh-huh. You are welcome. Yep. You are a constant fucking That's delight, but I could have lived without knowing that you can put ashes in a dildo. There's that, apparently. Boys. Dark, go stay in the corner with Azure. I can't believe you just said that. And no talking to each other. (laughs) Oh, God. No, (laughs) dudes. Bad influence. (sighs) So, you know, um, I think one of the best things that I got out of fandom was Lady Holder. Thank you. Um, Even though I, I got sometimes... sent to the corner recently? Well, yeah, but you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Chili. I, I, it's just... Ah. I think the dildo was bad. I, you know, but no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think that the friendships you make in fandom... When you find someone who who really clicks with you, um, uh, it's invaluable to to make a a really good friend um, who who understands your. um, It is actually pretty difficult to have a conversation about fandom with someone outside of fandom. So when you make a really good friend in fandom who shares your interests and who shares your your OTP and mm-hmm. who, that helps. who will read your work and who, you know, and who will um, send you their work and make you feel better. And mm-hmm. um, that's just awesome. So, and I have made some really good friends in, in fandom um, and that that's a gift. But please don't put your we loved got- one's ashes in a dildo. This is life advice I'm giving you. I, mm, 
I don't want to think about anybody too hot and dildos and urns and stuff. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. Or catching them on you. Or you'll plant a nice uh, tree. Plant a nice tree. Okay? Or get a diamond yeah. made. Or I also heard you can actually get your loved one's ashes pressed into a vinyl record. And then you can put their favorite um, song on it. That would be less traumatic for me than a dildo. And for everything that's holy, please don't put your pet's ashes in the dildo. Perf. And don't get your pet taxidermied either. For fuck's sake. You weirdos. I love all you guys, but come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. Oh, well, the sending into space, no. yes. I totally get sent. Well, no, sending somebody into space um, like they did with, with, with Scotty, I'm all for it. I wouldn't mind going into space. That'd be fun. Send my ashes you into know, space. If you're, yeah, send me up and let me burn up and reentry. I'm all for that. There's the, there's <laughs> the thing with the button. The vinyl. <laughs> You're welcome, Jira. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That 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 link I put up is the vinyl record thing. I don't want to be a record either. I'm just saying that that would be more appropriate than a dildo. Anything is more yeah. appropriate than a dildo. I don't think I could do it. You know, I, as much as I I, I love the, the guy I married, I just, I'll plant him. I'll put him in, in I would that put one. Your ass in therapy. I, I'll put him in the BIOS one, you know, where, where it's going to be a tree. That's a whole lot of notes useful. right there. No, it's I just think a tree, tree would be a good I'm idea. I mean, I mean, a tree would be yeah. a great idea. I'm just saying, but a dildo, no. Ammo, no. What? No. Uh-uh. But tree, 100% tree. Anyways, uh, anyways, can we drop the yeah. good ashes? <laughs> okay, let's go on to something else. Be a tree. Um, Be a tree. Back, back to the, the ten, 10 years after our – one of the other things I found is um, how I write um, has influenced how I – what, how I write my fan fiction and stuff is, has influenced how I write at work. Um, because I tend to be very detail-oriented and I catch um, a lot of stuff that I make sure I put in because my job thrives on details. And being able to clearly put something down on, even if it is virtual paper, her, um is useful with my job, and I didn't need to know that, Kira. <laughs> now I have the urge to have this conversation show up in, in, in one of the fixes as the things that you never want your partner to do to you when you're, you know, we're having this discussion, just deal with it. And this is what I do not want to have happen. Oh, 
Steve, I think it's time to take him out of the closet, honey. Get a tree. <laughs> We're all going to nice, nice tree. Or, you know, you can probably <laughs> find one of those trees that are, are, are twined around, to, you know, two of them twined around each other in the backyard, and, maybe. And, um, um, also, I don't want my head frozen. <laughs> I'm not on board with no. that <laughs> Okay, we, we've been requested to stop. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, some of the things that I, I've also I glossed over a lot of stuff with the first couple stories I, I wrote, and I didn't think of all of the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you change um, you change one thing, and you have to watch the ripples. You have to actually figure out where where they go and what they what they impact. And I didn't always notice. Um, I notice a lot more now. Well, that's growth. You know, I mean, you, know, um, you learn more with each time you write. That's the way it should be. Mhm. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, It's a case sometimes of, you know, um, going back to the Harry Potter thing, um, you know, Ron decides to be an absolute shit fourth year and never goes back to being Harry's friend. Well, what happens fifth, sixth, and seventh? Because he's not going to be there. You know, and so um, how who who steps up? Would it be Neville? Chances are good. It would logically be him. Um, it could be Luna. Uh, absolute outlier might be, you know, somebody else. But who would it be? You know, it's... Um, I think it'd be fun if Harry met Neville first on the train. Neville in the book and Neville in the movies, he's he's a sweet, timid boy who, no matter how scared he was, he still came. Because he'd been told he's a squib all his life. But he still stepped up, got on the train, and went. And, you know, he, um, I've got a thing in there that, that or in, in a story that I comment that, that um, Neville's got a huge well of courage. You know, he just has to know he has it. I think it would be very good for Neville to have Harry be his friend from the very uh-huh. beginning. I think it would do a lot for his self confidence. Um and it would I think it would be just it would be very good for them both because Harry would have a loyal friend who's not eating up with jealousy. And mm-hmm. um and then Neville would have a friend who who believes in him and I think that they both would have thrived in such a situation. 
I don't think there ever would have been anything romantic between the two of them, but it certainly would have been. No, I think that it would have been like brothers from the very start if they hadn't had one. A mutual support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ship Harry and Neville. I, I've, I just, I really wish that they'd gotten to be the, the brothers they should have been. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you know that. So you know, fandom, you know, opens up your mind and and, and allows you to um, um, explore concepts and characters and situations. And um, I think that it broadens you as a writer, and it also it allows you to be comfortable um, when you try new things and you kind of spread your wings a little bit. So if you eventually move into original work, you've got a great foundation. Mm-hmm. Because for all the fact that, you know, um, a lot of us use use the scaffolding of, let's say, the, the wizarding world, um, what we do within that scaffold can be radically different, okay? Um, and in some really lovely cases, people take that scaffolding and they graft it onto another and they make a whole new universe and it's just fabulous. It could be a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's... Oh, yeah. Um, I think that actually <laughs> sorting Neville into Hufflepuff is a disservice to his character because... Um, okay, now wait a second. Well, you had him resorted in the Hufflepuff. I did have him resorted, yes. Um, mostly out of spite. He resorted after out of spite, not because he needed to. But I think that Neville right. actually represents Gryffindor at its best. I'm not saying he's not a fit for Hufflepuff because he is. He's loyal. He's hardworking. He's strong. But when it comes right down to it, out of all of them, Neville is the quintessential Gryffindor. Harry yeah, was chosen to fight the Dark Lord. Neville was chosen to lead an army. He stepped up and he led. So Neville, um, he, he, he really is the quintessential Gryffindor. Um, there's a quote in the movie that says that it's that it's um, it takes a lot of bravery to stand up to an enemy, but it takes even more bravery to stand up to your friends. Stand up to them, yes. And and so while I think that Neville actually would fit into almost any house, um, probably except for Slytherin, um, I think that he really is a quintessential Gryffindor. He embodies all the positive traits a Gryffindor should have. And Ron's a Slytherin. Ron should have been a Slytherin. He's manipulative. He is, um, he's just, he's not loyal enough for Hufflepuff. And he's not, he has no craving for knowledge. So he's not a Ravenclaw. But he is manipulative and he is entitled and, he uh, 
I just think that really his best fit is is Slytherin, but he's not cunning enough for Slytherin. But he is he's lazy. Um, he's a very lazy Slytherin. Um, so he's not he's not smart enough for Ravenclaw. He's not loyal enough to be a Hufflepuff, and frankly, he's not brave enough to be a Gryffindor. Um, but he is manipulative, and he is a pure blood, and that does tend to um, say Slytherin. Yes, you know. Um, yeah, but he's not cunning. No, he's not. No, the thinking about this and how he he doesn't really fit any of the four houses per se. I'm thinking that Jilly's um, reordering of how uh, Hogwarts would be, he would be one of the students who would never move out of the no determination. He'd never you know, sort. He would always no. be. I agree. He'd never sort. You know, and he would be one of the ones who skated by and always wondered why he couldn't because, you know, he's all of this. And why isn't he he able to do? Why isn't he, he? Why wasn't he given this? When you look at them, yeah, Canon Drake. Four of them. Mm-hmm. Neville's a Gryffindor. Hermione is really more Ravenclaw than she is anything else. Harry uh-huh. is a Hufflepuff, and Ron is a Slytherin. Uh-huh. Because Harry's biggest fault and his biggest strength is his loyalty. So if any of them is a, a Hufflepuff, it is Harry. He mm-hmm. is loyal to Ron in situations where far, I would have cheerfully cut it. off Ron's head. I was, it, it was, yeah, so, yeah. H- um, Harry is the Hufflepuff. And I do actually have a story where I sort Harry to Hufflepuff. He gets resorted because of the Chamber of Secrets shit, because um, Jenny's mm-hmm. butthole. Um, and Hermione and Neville demand to be resorted out of spite. Um, so does Luna. Irritation. Uh, and Luna, and, and Luna, because she sees it as an opportunity, and Dumbledore tries to question her about it, and she says that Ravenclaw is full of assholes, and she wants to be resorted. And <laughs> she gets resorted. So, so um, Luna, Hermione, Neville, and Harry all end up in Hufflepuff. Uh huh. But there's a fair amount of cunning in that too. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, they Yeah. Uh-huh. Although Hermione did consider getting sorted into Slytherin out of spite. She did. She did. She decided to go with Harry. So. Yes, but that's a good thing because then, then the, the the kids in Slytherin continue to get to breathe or are breathing for another day, because she would make sure that they weren't. My favorite scene is when Ron is trying to get Harry to come back to um, Gryffindor, and Harry basically tells uh. him to fuck off, and her and he he punches Harry in the face, and before Harry can respond, Ron gets dogpiled by a group of second grade or second year Hufflepuff girls <laughs> led by Hermione who's finally found her pack or her tribe. <laughs> She's got her minions, the core group. <laughs> oh God. 
those girls mm. are going to be hell as the years go by. You know, they will rule with a very nice but very fashionable iron fist. <laughs> Hi. Hello, so, Barb. Yeah, I mean, I, mean um, I think Harry comes to expect to be portrayed. And yet he remains uh-huh. loyal. So I do think that of all of them, Harry is the Hufflepuff. Um, and... Um, but yeah, storing them into Hufflepuff and my, and my little story amused the shit out of me. It was fabulous. I, I really enjoyed myself. So, and the, and the sorting hat cussed out the whole school in the process. Mhm. Anyways, um, it amused me. But. It, well, it amused me too, but, you know, this is another uh, example of looking at how is this going to, how are the changes going to ripple out? What, you, we don't often see you, or we don't often see either of us or, or any of us put Harry in another house, okay? Um, it's a work in progress I have that no one's seen but Lady Holder. I'm pretty sure I'm it's actually, us an EAD. I, no, is that the one in EAD? Did I put that one in EAD? It's in the. I think it's in. I think it's in EAD. I um. Remember. I don't actually remember. I'd have to go look. Um, do I have it? I was like, why is the EAD empty? And I realized I wasn't logged in. I was like, holy shit. First of all, our shit, really? <laughs> Oopsie. I don't think it is on EAD. I think the Bitch Squad has read it. Um, um, Oops. I hate it when I do that. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I mean, I, I was talking about it first. Um but uh, it's a it's a work in progress, and um, in the Chamber of Secrets, instead of waiting to the end of the year, Jenny kidnaps Harry and takes him down there. Um, and then when they get when he kills the snake and she gets then they get rescued, um, she tells everybody in Gryffindor that Harry kidnapped her and that he'd opened the Chamber of Secrets, and they all believed her. And Harry's in the infirmary because um, and they believed her, and uh, Ron. Uh, got the house all frenzied up, and they voted to kick Harry out of Gryffindor. Well, Hermione and Neville lost their shit, and so when it comes time for him to get resorted, they're not even sitting at the Gryffindor table. They're so mad at their other housemates, and um, they demand to be resorted with Harry. And when Harry puts the hat on, the sorting hat shows the entire school what happened in the Chamber of Secrets. And Gryffindor tries to take their um, throwing him out back, but he refuses. He demands to be resorted. So he gets sorted into Hufflepuff. And then the hat goes on Neville's head, and the hat tells Gryffindor they're a bunch of assholes because Neville is awesome, and he's, you know, and mm-hmm. he gets resorted. And then Hermione gets resorted. And then Luna decides she wants to be resorted because she knows an opportunity when she sees one. And when they protest, she tells them that Ravenclaw's a little asshole. And literally, if you get the point, somebody, off, and uh, uh-huh. Dumbledore allows her to be resorted, and when she puts the hat on, 
the hat tells um, Ravenclaw that they are, in fact, assholes. <laughs> yes. They are indeed. And so she ends up in, 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 in Hufflepuff, too. Um, and I might, it, there might be some of it on Evil Author Day. Or I shared it in the chat room once. I don't remember. I don't think it's on. Or, or I might have talked about it before. I might have talked about it. Um, anyway, it, it it amuses the shit out of me. And that's the one where I sorted him into Hufflepuff. And I also have one where I sorted Hermione and um, uh, Harry into Ravenclaw. Mhm. I remember that one. So I wanted to explore what another bit. house would be like, um, and I wanted—I mm-hmm. thought that, that Flitwick would be the most interesting head of house to, to explore, and how he would approach the approach the management of his house versus how we saw it um, going with uh, Renerva Gryffindor. Yeah. So yeah, it was you know so it's interesting and to to explore these different ideas and um and there was a time when I would have thought I would never in a million years write hair in a different house so um, but then I also was at one time vehemently opposed to Rule sixty three fix and Mel Preg yes <laughs> yes so you grow yet, right you, you grow yeah let's not discuss my accidental Mel Preg. <sighs> Funny as hell. God, that one took. You didn't uh, notice. You didn't notice either. I didn't notice. I I noticed before anybody did. You didn't notice. Chris didn't notice. I know. Most of the readers didn't notice. Barbara apparently noticed. Anyways. Oh, you know, I'm looking at what's. What's up on EAD? And I don't think it's here. This is this is mostly. Is um, I think I've discussed it before in on the on the podcast. Uh huh. Um, I don't even know what it's called. Hold on, <laughs> give me a minute. Oh, because <laughs> um, that might help. Um, but I shared it in the Bit Squad. That's I um, um, I have not shared it on EAD. Uh, is an alternate universe fic. I'm looking at the list of things that we put in here, and man, we, um, wow. It's called Suspicious Minds. I've not posted it on any, on EAD. Okay. No, no, that one's in Gryffindor. That's not it. Um, Ooh. Oh! When you put it in house in the pocket guardian, that is on EAD. <laughs> Duh. Oh, you're right. He is. <laughs> Which one is the accidental male okay. preg? The accidental male preg is actually Lantian Legacy. It is. No enemy it is within has accidental male pregnancy because Theseus, the city, is pregnant. And Theseus is, in fact, and it's mentioned no less. Male. It's a sexual um, reproduction, but still, sort of. I mean, their child, Aries, is a mixture of AI um, from Atlantis and genetic material from Theseus. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, 
Theseus is pregnant. So, yes. And I didn't even, I, I was like, I can't believe I wrote Accidental Male Preg. I didn't even know I'd written it for like months after the fact. It was like on my site when I realized. I was like, oh, God, I wrote Male Preg. <laughs> yeah, that was not an interesting day. Not the traditional ass baby Male Preg, but you know. No. I, <laughs> I did do it. One of my favorite male pregs, mm-hmm. if you're ever interested in reading a, a male preg story, um, it's called The Surrogate by Seeker Geek. I highly recommend it. It's fucking awesome. That one is, yeah, that one is indeed awesome. So I highly recommend it. The Surrogate by Seeker Geek. Mm-hmm. But I'm not someone who seeks out male pregs. I don't read it often. I'm telling you that is that the, the, that shit rocks. Two and a half minutes. Um, and um, I just want to thank you all for being with me um, forever how long you've been here. And um, I, I really appreciate uh, your, your feedback and your time and um, your, your, um, your participation on Rough Trade and mm-hmm. just, just the whole thing. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And um, I'm... Uh, I'm just thankful. It's a lot of fun. Same here. It's all validate. Surrogate mm-hmm. by Secret is a... on AO3, and I have a link. Mhm. Ten years. Ten years. I'm going to put that link on my podcast for those of you who are listening in the future. If you would like to to read it. It is definitely a beautiful book. All right. It well, is Shep, thank you and happy anniversary to all of you. She is not um <laughs> It didn't happen in the traditional way. <laughs> no. But it's great. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um you guys, I hope you have a great week and next week we'll be doing some more um Fandom Bane um podcasts. We're going to um we're going to hit uh, Jennifer Keller, and um, I've got uh, Snape on the list, and I've got um, Dumbledore on the list, and um, but I think Jennifer Keller will be next, and then um, awesome. we, we might go back and hit Molly Weasley just for the hell of it. Anyway, second oh, yeah, night, Lady Holder. Good, time. good night. Thank you.